I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. I looked to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. How many of you took a road trip this summer? Let me see your hand. If you if you went any distance in a vehicle, in a car, I, 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 we took, and I looked at it, it was over 2,300 miles in the truck. Now, listen, I love seeing different parts of, of the country. In fact, uh, we drove the girls. We didn't go. We, we were in a hurry. So we didn't go actually and stop and, and go in. But I, I took the girls and drove them right past Graceland in, in Memphis, Tennessee, paid our tributes to uh, Elvis uh, Presley there and, uh, you know, uh, saw that whole thing. And But I, I love seeing different parts of the country, parts that I'd never seen before, uh, roads that I've never taken and things like that. But one of the tough things about road trips for our families is that we all have different musical tastes. There are, and in fact, you know, as our kids were younger, you know, they wanted uh, Maddie. She was a huge fan of the Wiggles. You know, there's only so much fruit salad, yummy, yummy that you can handle uh, before going insane. Okay, uh, now I, I haven't gotten the whole bluey and all of that kind of thing that this generation of parents and, and some of the other things that that you guys have to deal with. But just know, we had our own cross to bear uh, uh, back in those days. And so every year, uh, it, you know, going, it's, you know, I don't like that song and this. And so finally one year, we were headed to Destin for, uh, for a, a vacation. And so I decided on this road trip, I'm going to do some preventative maintenance. And I, I spent some time curating the perfect road trip playlist. That's what I dubbed it, the road trip playlist. In fact, it had 177 songs with over 11 hours of music. We were all the way to Destin before we ever heard the same song twice. It was awesome. And, and, and so I had so much fun and, and, uh, and I, that I stayed up on the last night of our vacation. We're getting ready to come back and, and I'm like, I'm going to do this again. And so everybody else is in bed, they're getting a rest, and I'm sitting there on the computer curating Road Trip Playlist 2.0. And uh, there, and that one was 10 hours of music, 188 songs. It had something for everybody in the family. We all had uh, our own styles and everything. And here was the rule. Everybody got one skip. You couldn't say, I didn't like that song, skip it. If you did, that was your one skip. And after that, nobody else, they, you couldn't skip the rest of the trip. You had to do it. And so I love a good playlist. I, I, the thing about a good mixtape, a good playlist, is variety. 
Now, ours had everything from show tunes to worship music to gospel to Christian rock. There's different styles that speak to different people. While some are more pop and country in our family, some of us are more rock and roll, praise God. And, and on that, I mean, Psalm, Psalm says, play skillfully with a loud noise. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching this morning. I love it. That's one thing about this series is that it just has not been one style of song. We've talked about dreams. We've talked about going through hardship. And today we're going to continue this series by talking about the blessings of family. Turn with me to Psalm 127. If you're new to Hope, you can open up your bulletin and the and and the the notes are there, or if you want to go to connectedhope.com and click on the Bible app, you can follow along with us there as well. Psalm 127, we're hitting two songs today, but they both deal with the same thing. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously wait, working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city Gates. This psalm really could, could have multiple applications. We, we could talk about how unless the Lord builds the house, how he, unless he builds the church, the work of the laborers is vain. We could talk about how it, it, it refers to a city or to a nation. Unless the Lord uh, is in control of a nation, uh, it's wasted, uh, you know, and things. And we could go that route. But really, when you look at this, we, could, uh, we need to focus really on our individual homes today. It says, unless the Lord builds the house. I want you to write this down this morning. When Jesus builds and guards our home, we live with his blessing. Blessing. Look, it says in verse 1, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. Now, I don't know about you, but in, in my circle of friends, we like to give one another a little bit of a hard time about who wears the pants in the family. Come on. You know you've done that before when you're out with your uh, couples are out together and, and uh, the wife says something and say, well, I see who wears the pants in this family, right? You know, and the man kind of bows up. I wear the pants of my family. It's a way middle-aged men prod their buddies, all right? Let's just be honest, all right? The reality, though, is I want you to catch this this morning, is that control of our homes doesn't belong to any individual with inside the home. It belongs to God. Oh, that, that was a great place for an amen. I said the control of our homes belongs to God. If we make him the Lord of our lives, then guess what he's the Lord of? He's the Lord of everything. The scripture says, unless who builds the house? The Lord builds the house. That's the first line of the song. It's the opening stanza. Think about this. This was Solomon who wrote this, these words. 
He saw the value of submitting to God. In fact, if you've been following along with us in the, in the, the 365 day, the, the one-year Bible plan that we've been walking through, we read about Solomon and how he built the house for, uh, for uh, the, the uh, temple for God, but he also had his own house, and he understood that if he, needed, if he needed anything in this life, he needed wisdom. He didn't need the treasures of this world, but he needed the wisdom of God, and God said, listen, because you've asked for this, I'm going to give you all of this. And so this is the very guy who's writing these words. He says, unless the Lord builds a house. He saw the value in submission. He saw the value in saying, God, you're in control, not me. When he could have asked for anything, he asked for the wisdom of God. He also saw the downfall of, of trying to do things his own way. He had, he, had, he had had that life experience where he had fallen short and, and had, had tried to do things his own way and, and, and it didn't work. He knew the only way to live under the blessing of God was to submit to God's lordship. Verse 3 through 5, it says that children are a gift from the Lord. If you're sitting next to your parents, turn around and say, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Now, I have a buddy who has like four kids. This week, I, I sent him something I found online. You know what it was? It was a lawn chair. It, in fact, some of you may need this. It was a lawn chair that folds up, but then you fold it out like this, and it's got like six seats. And so if you have a large family, like you can fold that all up and you can carry like one chair. Now I've done the four chairs before where I've had to carry like four chairs, carrying everybody's chair like that. And I'm thinking that's a good idea. That's a blessing right there. But you know, when you have more kids in our society, you know, it, sometimes people don't think that that's a blessing. I, I, I think it, it, it's a great thing. But when we put ourselves back in ancient times, people were actually judged by how many kids they had. Oh, you've got... 10 kids? Wow. The Lord has really blessed you. You've got six kids? The Lord has blessed you. You, you don't have any children. I mean, you think about the women in the Bible who, who like, like were just in deep distress because they'd never had a kid before. Well, that's not really part of our cultural DNA. We don't shame people who've never had children before. We don't, we don't celebrate the ones that have had a lot of kids and think, well, that, that's, they must be super, super blessed. But if we take this context of this scripture and we put it back in ancient times, blessing was tied to submission. The more kids you had meant the more submitted you were to God. James warns us not to be misled. He doesn't want us to get on the wrong, wrong track, but what he wants us to do is to live in the blessing of God. James 1.16 says, So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation became his prized possession. 
We are the prized possession of God. Listen, we sang about it this morning. We're a child of love. We are the child of the king. We're no longer slaves to fear. We are children of God. We, because of his reckless love, he chased us. He chased us down. He gave us his son to die on the cross for our sins. We are his prized possession. So blessing, so blessing. When Jesus builds, when he guards our home, we live with his blessing. There's another part of that, and it's this, is that stress and anxiety are byproducts of doing things in our own strength. Let me say that again. Those are buzzwords in our society, right? Anxiety, stress. So I've got so much anxiety. I've got so much stress. Those are byproducts of doing things our own way. We say, Pastor, I've got, I've got stress. Well, hear me out this morning because I'm going I'm to help you out. Verse 2, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest. Everybody say that word rest. Rest. He gives rest to his loved ones. Now think about this before. Have, have, have you had a boss um, or somebody who you've worked, worked for ask you to do something and before the deadline you've discovered that they've already done what you've, they asked you to do? Has that ever happened to anybody? Yes. That, that, that somebody said, hey, listen, I need you to do this project for me. It's going to be due on Friday. And Friday comes, and you, you're working on it. And all of a sudden, you, you see them, and they say, yeah, hey, I already got that completed. And how does that make you feel? Like, how did that make you feel? How did it make you feel? Did it make you feel like, that, like special? Like, did you feel relieved? Or did you just feel like that they didn't trust you to do what they asked you to do? I don't know about you, but it makes me feel like when somebody says, hey, here's a project and, and gives me a deadline and then, it, and then they pull it back at the, at the deadline that I, they don't trust me to do the task. When we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we are submitting everything to him. We're trusting that God is going to build the house. We're saying, God, this is yours. Everything about this is yours. My finances are yours. My children are yours. Everything here is yours. God, I'm just a steward of all of this. And if we work without his blessing, if we manipulate, if we worry, if we take control back, we're showing that our dependence is really on ourselves and not on God. Now, I love you today, but this part of the song, that it's useless to work so hard. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need to work hard. Don't, don't walk away from here today and say, ooh, pastor gave me an excuse to be lazy. No, 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 no. Let me tell you the scripture. You understand Christianity, all of this is balance. God says, trust me. He says, trust me. But he also says, you know, you gotta go out and work. Colossians 3.23 says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Now, whoever signs your check or schedules your direct deposit in our modern day context, that 
It's who you work for. But ultimately, you work for God. So there may be a level of expectation that this person has, but you have to work like you're working for this person, like Jesus is in the room. It says in verse 24, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So are we working under his lordship or are we working in our own strength? Are we working in our own strength? One leads to blessing. The other leads to stress and anxiety. Well, I, I, I'm, so, I'm so stressed. Life is stressful. There's so much stress that's going on in my life. Oh, I, you know, all these problems and all these situations. And God is just sitting here saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? I'm not going to let you ha- have a load that you can't handle. I'm not going to see my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm not going to let you take something that you can't handle. Listen, I get it. Life can be anxious at times. Life can be anxious at times. You can open up the checkbook or you can open up your app from your bank and you can see the balance on that and you can understand the bills are coming and you understand the anxiety that that, that, that has that you want to provide. Listen, as husbands, men of God, we want to provide for our families. We feel like that that's something that God would want us to do and we want to do that and I understand that when the money's not there but the bills are, that there's some anxiety that comes along with that. But listen, this is not an issue of what's in the bank. This is not an issue of what we have. This is an issue of who we trust. That we can have the peace of God in the craziest of circumstances because we're not trusting in our own ability to figure out the problem, but we're saying, God, listen, if you brought me here to this point, I need wisdom. Just like you gave Solomon, I need some wisdom. And so I'm going to fully submit to you and I'm going to fully trust you. And you're saying, God, I know that I can trust you. You're going to get me through this. Paul told the Corinthians about his thorn in the flesh. Anybody ever had a thorn in the flesh? Don't raise your hand. Some of you might be sitting by yours. No, I'm just kidding. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. He says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Some of you are like, 47 times I begged God to take it away, and he hasn't yet. But look at verse 9. He says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to, this is what Paul says. He says, now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Not because I'm operating in my strength, not because I'm operating in my ability, but if we're going to walk in the blessing of God, we've got to operate in his strength. Even though we got a thorn in the flesh, even though we've got a low bank account, even though we've got all these problems and situations at work and relationship issues and all the things that come along in this world, God's power works best in our weakness and that his grace is all that we need. So what's this blessing like? We talked about it, but I think it's really found in the next psalm. If you look at Psalm 128, it says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord, 
All you who follow his ways, you will enjoy the fruit of your labor, how joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. I want you to see something this morning. I believe it's a, the blessing is threefold in this, in this passage of Scripture. I'm going to go real quick on this. The first is it's a blessing of fulfillment. He said, how joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. I, I love that we can enjoy the fruit of our labor. I love that we can experience. Are you with me this morning? I love that we can experience the joy of the Lord. Joy is different from happiness. I'm not happy when bad things happen to me. I, you know, I, I've, never, I've never gotten really excited when, when something bad happens to me. I, I, oh, praise God. That, that's, I've never been that guy. Never gotten really excited when when my teams lose. You know what I'm saying? I'm in deep, dark depression, excessive misery, gloom, despair, and agony on me. I'm not happy when bad things happen, but I I can walk in joy. And you know why? Because I know that I have the blessing of God on my life. I can walk in joy. I can walk with joy. We can truly be fulfilled knowing that we are doing what God has instructed us to do. I'll be honest, man. As a pastor, as a youth pastor, there have been times that i preached messages and I've wrote this message and I thought, man, this is going to be a good one this Sunday. Like I'm already pumping myself up. I get up here and I preach it and I'm like, um, Crash and burn there, huh, Maff? I mean, it, it was bad. And I mean, whew. and, and I'll, I'll tell you, in those moments, I turn around and I say, God, I did what you asked me to do. I did. And so whether I think it, and, and here's what you guys are so gracious because I think it's on those Sundays that you guys walk out and go, Pastor, that was a good message today. You knew it was bad and you're just trying to speak life into me and I love that. You're like, well, that was a great message today. No, it wasn't. I know it was bad. It sure sounded a lot better in my office over there than it did in here, but I, I know it was bad. But it's in those moments where I say, God, I know that I'm doing what you called me to do. I know that I spoke the word that you told me to, spoke to speak today. I know that I've done what you want me to do. And that's in those moments when hardship comes, we have to realize that we're doing exactly what God called us to do. Whether you've got a job that, that, that's working in a factory or you, we've got a lot of educators that attend our church and you're in education, man, there are going to be times when the, 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 the parents are calling. There are going to be times when things are just not working out right. You have to know that you're doing exactly what God has called you to do in that very moment. And you've got to thank him for that blessing. See, the blessing is a blessing of fulfillment. Philippians 4.11 says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing and with everything, and I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything. Man, this is so good. He says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. 
You can get through anything in this life because your strength doesn't come from yourself. Your power doesn't come from yourself. You can walk in fulfillment because you know that the God of heaven, his son Jesus, is the one who strengthens you to walk through those difficult times in life. So it's a, it's a thing of fulfillment. I love how Donald Stamps commented on this. He said, the key to contentment is realizing that God has given you in your present circumstances everything you need to endure, grow closer to him, and remain victorious in your relationship with Christ. The ability to live steadily and triumphantly above changing circumstances comes from Christ's power flowing in and through you. This ability does not come naturally. However, it must be learned and developed through dependence on and obedience to Christ. So when bad things come, say, God, I trust you. God, I, I can't see a way out of this right now, but I trust you. I trust you. The second thing is a blessing. I want you to see it this morning of a faithful companion. Husbands, turn to your wives and say, you're a blessing to me. Wives, turn to your husbands and say, I'm a blessing to you. <laughs> it says, your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Proverbs 18.22 says it like this. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. So a godly spouse is a blessing to us. To be able to have somebody that when you're walking through those difficult moments in time, to have somebody that can pray with you, that can pray for you, that can listen, to encourage you, that can offer help, can get us through the dark times. Now listen, friends, the Bible also tells us in Proverbs that, that there's friends that stick closer than a brother. There's people that, that they're close relationships. And so while some of you are single this morning and you may be tuning me out, listen, there's a faithful companion for you. There's a friend that God has put in your life to be an encourager, to be somebody that holds you up, somebody that speaks life into you. And when you're going down and you're, and you're in the dooms and the depths of despair, they can pull you out and say, listen, God has something amazing in store for you and speak life to you and help you through those times and those dark times in life. So it's a blessing. It's also a blessing. And the last one here, it's a blessing for future generations. Look at this in verse 3. He says, your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. And in verse 5, may the Lord continue to bless you from Zion. May you see... Jerusalem prosper as long as you live, and may you live to enjoy your grandchildren, and may Israel have peace. Psalm 128 really takes you on a journey. I mean, think about this. It starts off with the individual. Then it adds a, a spouse. So, so you know, you're, you're here, you're by yourself, and then all of a sudden here's, here's a spouse. And, and now it, it's, it's talking about having children. That's another generation. And then, and then all of a sudden, uh, another verse or two over, it's like, hey, here's the grandchildren. Uh, here, here's some grandchildren for you. And so it takes you from a single person to a married person with no kids to all of a sudden you have kids, and now you've got grandchildren over here. And so there's generations that it's talking about. And so the blessing God has given us is, is something that we have to pass on to the next generation. I'm not talking about financial inheritance, although Proverbs talks about how that's a biblical thing. But what I'm really speaking of is a spiritual heritage. 
Psalm 71, verse 17 says, Oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood. And I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, oh God. And I want you to hear what his prayer was. He's saying, listen, I'm old and I'm gray now. Don't abandon me, God. But let me proclaim your power to this new generation. Your mighty miracles to all who come after me. The most important, listen, listen, friend, the most important thing that we can give to our kids and our grandkids is Jesus. The most important thing that we can give the next generation is Jesus. Moms, dads, grandmas, and grandpas, as a church, one of our core values is this, is that we want to invest in the next generation. I want you to understand your pastor's heart. This is not a slight to any generation. It's not a slight to any generation. Listen, I'm getting older. I understand that. You know, we, I referenced that last week when I, we talked about dreaming, that all, the song Dream On, all the lines on my face are getting clearer. I completely understand that I went to my I had my uh, you know uh, twice a year doctors a visit you know I'm, I'm old I'm so old now they want to see me twice a year instead of once a year and, and and she goes oh you turned and said my age that I turned but yeah that's none of y'all's business and, and and she said now we have to run all of these tests and I want you to know I passed with fine colors come on somebody uh, praise God for that but I'm, I'm 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 sitting there and I'm hearing this and I'm getting the AARP stuff in the mail and I understand something that I can't take the things that I've got here on this earth with me. But one thing that I can take is every son and daughter, every spiritual son and daughter, every kid that I can invest in, every student that I can invest in, every mom and dad that are just a little bit behind me that I can invest in, that I can pour myself into the next generation and say, listen, there's a God that will get you through every problem in your life. There's a God that will walk you through the difficult moments of life. There's a Jesus who loved you and gave his son for the, gave himself for you so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. Come on, somebody. That's the good news that we have. Woo, I could preach this this morning. It's so good. It's not a slight to us who are getting older. It's not a slight to us who are balding. It's not a slight to us who have more hair in our nose and our ears than we have on top of our head. It's not a slight to us, friends. But what I'm telling you, we have to remember something this morning. We are a key part of this. We are a critical Part of this, Pastor Ben, you better not put that on social media this week. I'm gonna hurt you. You are a critical part of this church. We need the wisdom of the older folks imparting to the next generation. I want you to see that. He says, now I'm old and great. Don't abandon me. But his prayer, and that needs to be our prayer. I don't care if you're 25, and, or I don't care if you're 55 or 85. Our prayer needs to be, let me proclaim your power to the next generation, to this new generation. God, I've got some life experience that I can impart. I've got some wisdom. I've got some battle scars. I've got some things that I've walked through that I can impart to this next generation. See, those of us with more life experience, we have a testimony. We have a theology that we've, we've learned. We have some knowledge. We have some experience. And it's up to us to disciple the next generation. And church, I want you to understand something this morning. If we fail that responsibility, there won't be a church in the next generation. 
Listen, I can't wait till we're, till we're over at Wildcat Way and, and, and Weisenbaker Lane. And, and, and we talked about the dream a little bit last week. But I want you to understand something, church. We can have a beautiful building, but there, if there are not people to fill it, if there's not a new generation. I walked this, this thing this morning, and I prayed. Every week we pray for our kids' ministry, and we pray for our youth ministry. And I prayed for Hope Kids and Hope Youth. And I asked God to give us more. Why? Because I want to have the biggest youth ministry or biggest kids' ministry in town. No, I just want to disciple kids kids. I want to pour my life into young people. I want to pour my life into moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and give them everything that I can have so that we can continue this cycle of discipleship that God has called us to go into all the world and to make disciples. See, there's something about this that's powerful. And if we fail that responsibility, there will be no church of tomorrow. What God has given us, we must pass on so that it can be a blessing for future generations. May God continue to bless you, church. May you see his hand on your life, your family, your children, and your grandchildren. Did you notice that this was something that, this is free this morning because it's something that, that really just hit me in the last 24 hours. Did you notice at the end that he blessed them? That he blessed He said, may you have a blessing. May, may your, let's, let's go back and look at that. This is what he said. He said, may you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May the Lord continue to bless you. He spoke a blessing over them. There's something powerful about that. Now think about in the Old Testament. Think about that. Esau and Jacob, what did they want? They wanted their father's blessing. When their father was getting old in age, they wanted the blessing spoke over them. Jacob spoke a blessing Israel, He spoke a blessing over his, his children, over every tribe. Moms and dads, let me tell you, the greatest gift you can give your kids is your blessing. That's right. The greatest gift that you can yeah. give your kids is your blessing. There are moments in my life that I can go back to and I can hear the blessings of my parents. I can hear the words of my dad. I can hear the words of my mom where they spoke life into me, where they told me they were proud of me, when they told me that they loved me. Oh, my, my dad didn't say I love, well, just because he didn't say it doesn't mean that you can't. Let me help you out. Many kids carry around, listen, 17 years of student experience, pastor experience right here. Many kids carry around wounds because their fathers have not spoke blessing into them. I tell my kids they, I love them so much that they, they, they're like, it's enough. It's okay. It's enough. We, we get it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to keep telling them I love them. I'm going to keep telling them that I'm proud of them. It's an honor to be their dad. I'm going to keep speaking life into them. And church, I want you to understand you have the power of a blessing in your life. You can bless, you can bless others. And so I'm I'm blessing you today. I'm asking God to bless you, church. I'm asking God to make his hand on you. Every Sunday morning, I pray that God's favor upon you as we as we close this service. Our kids are coming in this morning. We're going to close in communion. And so they're coming in right now and they're going to sit with you. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to receive communion as a family. I need a couple of the ushers to grab the communion because some of these kids may not have it in their hand. You say, Pastor, why are you doing this? Because I just preached about it, right? 
This is the way we disciple. I remember being about four years old, sitting in the, in the pew of the church, and it was time for communion. And in those days, we would have the big table up front with the fancy stuff on it, and we would come and we would, we would the men of the church, the elders would pass the communion out. If you need it, raise your hand real quick. Here's a little four-year-old Rusty, probably with a mouthful of clarets from his, from my granny. And I, I was laying down in the church. I was laying on the carpet in the church underneath the pew. And I was staring at my granddaddy's wingtips because he always wore wingtips. I untied those wingtips while he wasn't looking. And I tied them up together. And my grandfather, who stood all of four foot tall, 11 inches, I think his driver license might have said five foot at one time, but he stood up because it was time for the elders of the church to go serve communion. <laughs> and little Rusty was right there not knowing how to act in church, tying his granddaddy's shoes together. And I didn't get a spanking for that today, that day. You know why? Because I was sitting with my grandparents. That's a pro tip right there. If you want to understand something, you don't want to get spanked in church sitting with your grandparents, not your mom and dad. Just being honest. So I value this. I value bringing our kids in. Because you know what? There may be a kid that's tying their granddaddy's shoes together that'll be a pastor someday. They'll go and tell other people about Jesus. That'll submit his life to God. There, there's a future missionary that's in this church. There's a future youth pastor, a kids pastor, a leader that's in this church, a community leader, a mayor, a principal a CEO, a CFO, an athlete. There's somebody in this church that's going to graze up and going to make a difference for Jesus wherever they're at. And so we want to share this moment because this is a part of training. It's a part of discipling. It's a part of growing. It's a moment where, listen, they may act up and that's okay, you correct them. Because the scripture says train a child way they should go. But we're going to teach them this morning how to remember that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven, if anyone eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily, that person is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking from the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup unworthily, not honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Psalm 139, verse 23. I love this. It's a, it's a song. It's a prayer. He says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So this morning, we're going to pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So, Pastor, how do I receive it? The scripture says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So this morning, if that's you, and say, Pastor, I need to make things right with God today. I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand today. We're all going to pray a prayer together in this place this morning. But if that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, yes, Pastor, I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, when I say three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Anybody in this room today? Anybody watching online, would you respond to God by sending an email at prayer? TV, putting a message in the chat chat this morning. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, thank, thank him for his thank him for his salvation this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for salvation today. First Corinthians eleven twenty three says, "For this is what the Lord Himself said, and I pass it on to you, just as I received it on the night when He was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took the loaf of bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it." And said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you just take that wafer that's in your hand today? Parents, you might need to help your kids open these packages up. But would you just take that wafer and would you break it with me this morning? I love Isaiah 53. It says, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. If you need healing this morning, would you lift your hand right where you're at this morning? I want to pray for healing in your life today. Father, we thank you that by your stripes we are healed. Lord, hands all up around this room today. And God, I just speak to them and I say, be healed in Jesus' name. Those that are online today that need healing, be healed in Jesus' name. It is by your stripes, God, that they are healed. And I thank you for that healing this morning. Father, we bless you for that today. In Jesus' name, come on, would you take it and receive the bread today? Verse 25, he says, the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Come on, would you just hold the cup up today and would you thank God for his salvation, for the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. Father, we thank you for the blood. We thank you that it never loses its power. We thank you, God, that there's nothing else that can wash away our sins but the blood of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, today, God, to help us remember that sacrifice, to remember that sacrifice. In Jesus' name, come on, let's receive the cup today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, worship him. Worship him right now in this moment. Sing this with me. There's no shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Come and me. There's no wall. There's no wall. 